The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Doctors are warning of a new mix of street drugs that has no antidote for overdose victims. With more on that, we're joined this afternoon by Dr. Mark Urama, uh, Medical Director of Alberta's Poison and Drug Information Service. Doctor, thanks for joining me on the show this afternoon. Good afternoon, Jaylen. Hi. Uh, can I call you... Um, Mark, is that okay? Please. (laughs) All right, Mark. um, AHS issued a public notice uh, recently that in uh, BC Street, opioids were being produced with a a drug. And I'm going to let you say the name of it because I'm probably going to screw it up. But what is it? So the drug's name is Etizolam. And what it is, is uh, it's similar to a class of drugs known as benzodiazepines, which uh, people we commonly know them as uh, Ativan or Valium, and they're mm. often used to help people sleep or to help with anxiety. Etizolam um, has been around since the early 80s. It's primarily used in research labs as what's called a reference standard, meaning that you would compare other drugs to it for potency. Uh, but it also has been prescribed similar to benzodiazepines for assistance with sleep or with anxiety. And so the, the main things with, with respect to uh, atizolam is that it's, uh, it, if, it's, if it's taken in excessive amounts, it can cause excessive sleepiness mm-hmm. and uh, potentially people can have trouble breathing as a result of it. So we wanted to make sure we got the word out sooner rather than later. So, Mark, I, I thought that this, um, this drug, Itizolam, was not prescribed for use in North America. That, that's right. It's not something that's commonly okay. uh, prescribed it, prescribed in North America. It, interestingly, when I posted the alert on my on my Twitter account, uh, it got quite it got quite a few hits, and the some of the feedback was actually from people elsewhere in uh, Australia and within mm. the UK, where it actually is prescribed more uh, more commonly. Now, the and the other thing that is worthwhile for your listeners to know is that this is also something that can be bought over the internet. Um, it's also it's sold under the guise of not for human consumption, mm. um, but sometimes people buy this illegally just to help with anxiety as well. Okay, so that's what I was wondering. I was wondering how then does it get here? How then does it get into um, some of the drugs that we're seeing here, the, the street drugs that we see here in BC, in Alberta? And it's used, and it's being used as a, as a filler, I understand, and also to try to enhance whatever drug that they're taking? Yeah, so the the reasons for adding uh, drugs into the supply are as probably as numerous as the drugs that are being added. Yeah. And uh, and the really the the main the big reasons are typically as a cutting agent or as a filler just to try to enhance the amount of product that you have, meaning that if you have a certain amount of heroin or fentanyl and you can add stuff to it to um, broaden your supply, then your heroin just goes that much further. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing is that yes, indeed, sometimes uh, people will will actually ask for additional things to be added into into these drugs. Or if if one hits the street, for example, and someone likes that effect, they'll say, you know, they'll say, could I get that? Can I get mm-hmm. that again? And so there's there's a bit of a supply and demand issue as okay. well. But the reason that we heard about this was uh, a couple. Of 
a couple of things. One is that the, the coroner's office, or formerly the office of the chief medical examiner in Edmonton, started finding a tizolami and opioid deaths as far back as 2016. Oh. Um, and the, and so they, they have, they were subsequently aware of this. And then secondly, it's, uh, the safe consumption sites and, uh, the HIV community, um, organizations that are dealing really that are really the frontline people dealing with a lot of people who use drugs are noticing that there are bizarre overdoses where uh, patients respond to naloxone but temporarily and they still have this period of being dizzy or out of it um, or having trouble walking for at least 45 minutes afterwards and so it was actually them that got together and 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 spread the word and said we're seeing this are you seeing this and the answer was yes in both cases and so putting all of this together we we uh, have a strong suspicion that it's probably a tizzalam that's contributing to this as well so it is in alberta it is in edmonton by yeah. the sounds of it, it is. It is here. Now, you talked about naloxone, of course, with uh, opioid overdoses. Naloxone is is uh, is a thing that uh, people turn to. But the, the problem here is, as you kind of touched on, is that it does it, the naloxone would work with any of the opioid that it's mixed with, but naloxone does not work on atizolam. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and so, um, and you mentioned so that could cause what? Could it could it, could it cause fatalities? Well, it it, it could. The the, cons- the the bigger issue is that um, uh, it you what tends to happen is you tend to see more of an incomplete response. So okay. that the the main the main issue is still the opioid. So yeah. when the opioid is reversed, be it fentanyl or carfentanil then patients will wake up temporarily. And so what you're left with is is the atizolam effect um, or other um, central nervous system depressant effect. Now, the good thing, if, if there is a good thing about uh, atizolam and other benzodiazepine-like drugs, is that other than causing decreased level of consciousness and decreased breathing rate, as long as they're being observed by somebody else, and by somebody else I mean to somebody they're using with or a bystander or in hospital or a safe consumption site, then that's the most important thing. The biggest concern is if they use alone, because if they use alone and there's only a partial response to the naloxone, then there's still the risk that they might might stop breathing because of the uh, ongoing atizolam effect. And Dr. Yurama, your your work that you are in, it's it's you're do- it seems like you're dodging bullets all the time. It's just a minefield out there. It's constantly changing. There's um there's you know new things happening all the time. How are you staying on top of it, or do you, do you feel like you're you know <laughs> you're just barely keeping afloat afloat at times? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I've I've been doing this for ten years now, and what what's happened in those ten years is that drugs of abuse tend to be uh, they tend to be fads by and large. So there are there are things that come and things that go. Mm-hmm. So for example, we had the tainted ecstasy or PMMA fatalities of 2011 and 2012. We haven't had a case since 2014 that's mm. been documented. Bath salts came and went. Synthetic cannabinoids are still kind of around. Really, it's it's the opioid crisis that is now into its at least its fifth or sixth year that is unlike anything else we've ever seen uh, because it's been so sustained. And, and the thought being, as uh, I'm sure others have uh, mentioned on your show, 
is that um, instead of just importing uh, all the products from from China, that now organized crime has started to uh, to make these drugs, and that's why we think that they're still persistent. You know, I you know when we first started hearing about fentanyl, and uh, you know, my husband and I at one time were watching. I forget what show it was like. It was Drugs Inc. or something like that. And someone, and this was probably about eight years ago, and someone at that point had started talking on that show about carfentanil, and I thought, oh boy, I wonder if that was here. And I had asked somebody um, years and years back, you know, is it on the scene yet? And next thing you know, here we are. Uh, carfentanil is here. And from what I understood about carfentanil, it's even more dangerous than, than fentanyl is. Is that correct? It is. If you look at dangerous in the sense of how much it takes to yeah. cause the same effect, absolutely it is. Um, and there's there's some great pictures online of the number of grains of salt or sand uh, that would be necessary to cause toxicity when you compare uh, morphine versus fentanyl versus carfentanil. And carfentanil only has two grains of sand in the small vial. Um, so one of the things that's, that's worth, in, worth pointing out is that Carfentanil um, is is definitely in Alberta. It's throughout the country. The one the one thing that we are noticing that seems to be making its way west from Ontario is this um, uh, batch of what's been called pink or purple heroin. Mm-hmm. So the thing the thing that uh, that we've been trying to pass pass on to uh, to clinicians is that if somebody says you know I took heroin, it was pink or it was purple. The thing with heroin is that it tends to have a very, very short duration of action. If you give naloxone, usually it's a single dose and that's enough um, because the duration of effect is maybe 30, 60 minutes tops. But these are people that have symptoms many, many hours beyond and are requiring in some cases as high as 24 milligrams of naloxone, which is a lot. And the point is, is that pink, pink and purple heroin probably is at the very least fentanyl and probably carfentanil as well. So oh it comes, it comes, it, it, it may come as one name, but in fact, just be very cautious that it's probably something else. Mark, what, what is carfentanil used for uh, legally in the medical world? Uh, so in, in the, in, in the medical world, well, so there's there's some opioids, and in fact, not even carfentanil, that are used in the uh, in the operating room. So sometimes anesthetists will use variants of fentanyl, like mm-hmm. alfentanil and yeah. sufentanil, to help with pain. Carfentanil is actually used in veterinary medicine. That's what I and thought. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> and it's used so it's used to tranquilize large animals. That's like, what I th- you know, yeah, like elephants, elephants. stuff like that. That's exactly. exactly what I heard on that show years back, and I thought, oh my gosh. Um, okay. Um, you know, I had the police chief on uh, not too long ago, and we were uh, the new police chief on not too long ago, and we were talking about the meth issue that uh, seems to continue here in the city of Edmonton. The price uh, is is cheap, that sort of thing. Uh, on the meth front, um, Dr. Urema, what are you seeing there? Yeah, so meth has made a huge comeback in Alberta and in Saskatchewan. So, in fact, our poison center covers Alberta, Saskatchewan, and the Northwest Territories. So we have a, a pretty large catchment area, which also allows us to to have a, for lack of a better word, a pretty good ground game as to what uh, what's going on in the streets. So, so we've actually known about meth for at least three or four years now that it's been making a comeback in Saskatchewan and now making its way into Alberta to the point where 
Um, you know, it's still a, it's still second to the opioid crisis, mm-hmm. if you will, in terms of fatalities. But it's at it's at the point where um, the emergency departments are seeing an uptick in uh, methamphetamine-related presentations to the point where there is now a provincial task force led through harm reduction and the emergency department just to deal with with uh, pro- providing better outpatient care for patients with methamphetamine use so that they don't all have to present to the emergency department or in some cases, routine care. So it, it really is, uh, it's becoming more than just an acute overdose yeah. issue. It, it is becoming more, again, of a, of a societal issue. And Dr. Urema, on your Twitter account uh, the other day, you had put up uh, an interesting photo as well, um, suggesting that that's being cut, that drug is being cut with all sorts of different things because some of the reactions that people are having are, are maybe new or different from what you would normally expect. Yes, that's that's right. So meth, much like, much like any other drug, is cut with a whole bunch of things. Uh, sometimes uh, drugs that are even just as toxic, if not more toxic than than the meth itself. So there's some anesthetics in there. There's some nerve agents that are in there. Sometimes it's just harmless things like sugar or flour, um, which uh, might be harmless if taken the right way. But if you inject them or inhale them, can cause some serious problems. And uh, and and there's also some intermediates um, that are that come out of the um, production of meth that are also found uh, as well. So it's these fi- these findings that I had posted are those are from people that are in the arrest processing unit in Calgary. So they're actually not sick enough to come to hospital, and they're primarily noticing some changes in their hands where they changed to blue and white and red. And it might just be the meth, for all we know. Meth yeah. is known to cause what's caused. Meth is known to cause what's known as vasculitis, which is an inflammation of the blood vessels, and that might cause them to go into spasm. But uh, it's it's a new finding, and meth has been around for decades, so it makes us think there's probably a cutting agent doing this. Um, you know what, just one more question before I let you go, and it comes from the text line, and I and I should maybe clarify this. So we were talking about uh, this uh, um, atizolam um, that is showing up in, in some of these uh, opioids now, the drug similar to benzodiazepine, um, um, someone had texted and said that they thought that there was an antidote uh, for benzodiazepine. Why wouldn't there be one for a tizolam? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good question. I appreciate the opportunity to clarify that. So there there is an antidote for benzodiazepines known as flumazenil, um, and we very very rarely use that clinically um, we usually will will use it either in the pediatric population to reverse kids that have been sedated with a benzodiazepine or an adult that's been used to uh, sedated with a benzodiazepine but that's when we know what we've given how much and okay. when the risk is is that if you give it to someone who is a regular user of benzodiazepines is that it puts them into benzodiazepine withdrawal and they can seize and get really, really sick as a result of it. So think of somebody in alcohol withdrawal who's got the shakes and nauseated and sweaty and uh, hallucinating and delirious. It's it's very much like that and, and in some cases even worse. Huh. Whereas opioid withdrawal is typically described as being uncomfortable but not life-threatening. Okay. So, so it's actually not, um, we don't recommend it 
as as routine use because it's actually easier to support atizolam toxicity just with oxygen and breathing for them than it is to run the risk of putting them into withdrawal and making things worse. Oh, well, thank you for that clarification. I appreciate that. I've kept you um, uh, a pretty long time here, Dr. Yerim, and I really, really appreciate it. Again, naloxone kits. Should everyone have one? Absolutely. Absolutely, and you can get them at the drugstore, you name it, you can get them now. Pretty much anywhere. Safe, safe consumption sites, hospitals, drugstore, it's free um, and it's without a prescription. And make sure if you I know how to use it. it. Yeah. If I could add one other thing, uh, Jalen, which I know we didn't get a lot of chance to talk about, is mm. I, I, it's, it's, I always like to pass on the message that people who use drugs are people as well. They're human beings. And I know that there's often a lot of stigma that it's their fault or that, um, that, that they're bringing this on themselves. And I just want to do whatever I can to help dispel the myth that these are individuals that have often suffered a lot of trauma in their past. They're doing this to cope and they need our compassion and support. Mark, you know what? I want to thank you for doing that because uh, I could probably look at my text line right now and um, see something along those lines. So I appreciate you taking the time to say that. Uh, I appreciate your time today and uh, I, I look forward to talking to you again sometime. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you very much, Taylor. Okay, Dr. Mark Urama joining us this afternoon. He is the Medical Director of Alberta's Poison and Drug Information Service.